Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? G'day team, you are listening to episode 157 of the Howie Games Part A, featuring broadcaster, pioneer and all-round star with an incredible story to tell, Karen Tai. Hello, I'm Karen Tai. Welcome to Grandstand. Hello and welcome to Grandstand, where this week we're at Sydney State Sports Centre. Hello, I'm Karen Tai. Welcome to the first of two half-hour specials we'll be bringing you on the Winter Paralympics of 1994. Well, it should be pretty exciting today because only about four of the guys have ever raced this distance before. Good evening. Well, Rugby League travelled across the Tasman tonight for the opening match of Round 2. Perhaps Brisbane wished, though, they'd stayed at home. Karen, well, Karen is a broadcasting hero of mine, even more so after chatting with her in-depth in this podcast and finding out exactly what she has gone through over the last couple of years. To me and many Aussies, Karen is the warm, calming, engaging voice of ABC Grandstand. Weekends in the car, listening to Karen seamlessly cross the country and the world with all sorts of sports and guests, never missing a beat. That is a great way to spend the Arvo. In my world, Especially when I was younger, I smile when I think back to this. Road trips up the coast needed a few simple things. Boards in the back and ice cold, ice cold chocolate Big M. It's got to be chocolate. Stops at small country bakeries along the way on the coast. Maybe a steak and bacon pie, a sausage roll. If you're extra cashed up or a vanilla slice, waves. You need waves. And you also need, equally importantly, Karen on the radio. Karen was the soundtrack to it all. It was like she was sitting in the passenger seat right beside you on the trip, chatting away. She'd be crossing to Jim and Kerry at the test, Quinton Hull at a shield match, Will Hagen at a motorsport event. Bloody perfect. So you search and try to find But you don't know where to go So many thoughts flood through your mind You're confused and want to know Mystery what is to be so much more than meets the eye listen to me time is your key you will find out by and by but i noticed a couple of years back karen wasn't on the wireless disaster no karen no good as it turns out karen contracted encephalitis which causes amongst many other nasty things inflammation of the brain Now, often on this podcast, we hear tales of courage. Mark Webber, at over 200 kilometres an hour, flying through the trees in his race car. Kate Campbell, confronting Olympic performances. Yelena Dockage, talking about the abuse she suffered at the hands of her father. Countless stories of courage. And that's where I now put Karen, because Karen, due to the encephalitis, Karen suffered memory loss. Now, as a broadcaster, your recall is everything. Names, numbers, players, statistics, past performances. I'd be quite frankly terrified to go on air if it wasn't all there in my mind. I'm not actually sure I could. Scrambling for a name or a performance live on air with people listening and not being able to grasp it, it'd be terrifying. No thanks. Yet Karen has done that. It's phenomenal. Karen is well and truly on the mend, which is fantastic news. But to go back on air at the ABC while she was still recovering... That's courage, I reckon. And she went straight back to dominating. She was, for me, the star of the ABC, as you've already heard, and through a lot of effort and some very tough times, she's back once again to being the star, as much as she will hate me saying that, because she is so humble. To come on this show and chat openly about what she has been through, that's courage as well, I reckon. Tremendous courage. So many lost and left behind And no one seemed to care those who should seems like they're blind Pretending they're not there Can't they see they hold the key Could 
make things better if they try. Oh my Jaja, tell me why won't they open up their eyes? I'm going to play you a little bit of audio now from the last part of our chat. Now you must remember we've been chatting for over two hours, lots of concentration, some deep topics, in-depth conversation. I want to play it to you for no other reason than to show you exactly what Karen has dealt with and is overcoming. I think, oh, sorry, I can't do this. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's oh, okay. So my stupid brain. No, 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 no. Um, we, we, no. We, can, we can have a spell. No, just as, can you just, um, have I, I'm sorry, I haven't, have I been just blabbing on too much? Have I made Not at sense all. with You've you? You've made complete sense. Have I? It's, this is the first time through the whole chat we've had where you've just got a little bit unsure. The first time and the only time. Karen Tai is a remarkable, remarkable person. Vulnerable yet strong. This is her story. I absolutely love it. I hope you do too. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go Thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion Welcome to the Howie Games Let's not mess around One of my broadcasting idols The amount of times I've spent in the car On road trips listening to this woman And just smiling at what she does She's a superstar in my world She's the soundtrack of Australian sport For a lot of people Her name is Karen Ty She joins me from Western Australia Karen, we've been trying to organise this for a while It's great to see you How are you going? Howie, thank you. Um, am I supposed to pay you for what you've just said? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I think I think this is why it has such an impact on me, just emailing you and texting you because from when I was um, quite a bit younger going on surf trips and I would time it to be going on weekends when I was driving up the coast to Crescent Head or Byron Bay or wherever it was, knowing that you would be on from whatever it was, midday to six, and you would just beautifully take me through the day's sport. So it, it's quite strange to see you and hear your voice on my podcast rather than on <laughs> ABC Radio. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. And of course, I'm a, a deal older than you, but it, and it's just beautiful to meet you face-to-face as well, Howie. So thank you. Thank you. We will get to the courage you're displaying to coming back to radio and coming and having a chat on this podcast because you haven't been well for the last couple of years, which Mm -hmm. we will get to. But a couple of things. Firstly, I was explaining to you how to use the voice memos and you were thinking, oh, I haven't used it before. And then you found it on your phone. So for the audience, we get Karen to record it on her phone and then send me the file. And all of a sudden, a little file popped up on your voice memos that you didn't even remember was there. Oh, my goodness, yes. And I feel like I apologise that I haven't got my earpiece in and all of that. That is something that used to take no time at all and it's a frustration of recent or the last couple of years. Things just take a lot longer and it was all set up last night with my son. And and in many ways I sort of think, oh, I just wish I could have kept him home from school just for this morning (laughs) to make sure they don't have it. Anyway, where we're doing it. But, yes, when you told me to this is what we set up to record, and something popped up from way back. Like my son is in year 11, so he's nearly 17. And this is back when he was five. And when he was little <laughs> and with the help of his lovely nan, who was here, my husband's uh, mum, and she used to do a lot of stuff sitting down with him and he would love reading. 
and uh, it was the night before Christmas. I <laughs> sat down at a fireplace here and I said, would you like to sit down and just read? And we stopped and started only a couple of times. And so what I did, I went back into work, I edited, like I took those little gaps out. There weren't many. <laughs> and it was so loving and joyful for me to sit next to him to do this. And what I did, I put a little bit of music underneath it and I sent it to my dad and um, and stepmom or other mother. I don't like to use stepmom that much. Um, <laughs> and also to his nan and pop here in Perth. And it was just beautiful. And I said, James, can we do this again? Like maybe in five years time. So I've done it a couple more times with him. And I've just said, could we maybe do it when you're like in your maybe 20 or something like that? So it's just a really simple thing. And it just popped up there. So I haven't listened yeah. to that for so long. <laughs> it was lovely. And it struck a chord with me because I've been doing this podcast for, I don't know, five or six years now. And you, you will get a, a question later on from my son, who is now 10, but he started oh. with his sister asking questions of Ange Postacoglu and Trevor Hendy and Greg Norman as four and five-year-olds. So if I go back and listen to episodes, there's my four-year-old son and it brings a tear to my eye, which is why when you said, oh, I found a recording of my son, it immediately struck a chord with me. You know what? Can we, look, I know we're sort of darting here and there. I've got something on the table here and it's something in my time off work that I did something about and I just... What it means to me is so amazing. I've got this little audio reel. Right. Wow. What What happened with my mum and dad? I'm very proud first-generation Australian. So my mum was Austrian and my dad still with us is English. He turns 89 this year. Um, anyway, when they first came to Australia, they got married in Salzburg in Austria and they came out down under and, you know, a bit of an adventure, how long, I think dad was what you call a 10 pound pong. Mm. But anyway, they came to Sydney and of course, back then, you know, telephones were so expensive, you know, we didn't have the beauty of what we have today. So mum had a young mum, my Oma, and two younger sisters, dad, the oldest of four. So all of our families, Austria and England and Canada. And of course, to pick up the phone, you'd only do that in a time of, like, of course, to say happy birthday, happy yes. Christmas, any emergency, but the cost to be doing what we're doing now, the cost just to sit down, you know, to speak to your mum or dad or sisters or friends. And so what my family did in um, Austria, England, and here, they would record. Oh. And this would arrive in the post. Look, that's the... That's the oh, how beautiful. And then they could whack it in the machine and listen. Listen. Oh. And my dad had saved a lot of these. Anyway, a few years ago, he thought maybe you could do something at work, maybe transfer them. And I, I was busy and I didn't do it. And I thought when I wasn't back at work, I would take them somewhere. I can't tell you one of them because... My mum died very young of breast cancer and of all days on her 45th birthday. Oh, and I just left school the year before and had a younger, younger brother and sister. And um, I'd never heard, I, I often thought, I've got lovely photos. I'd just love to hear your voice, mum. And you know what? It was one of the unmarked reels and I listened back to it. And my dad and mum, when they arrived in Australia, I was born the December after they arrived in Australia. And for the first 14 months of my life, it's got them talking. I heard my mum's voice. Oh, wow. I was 25. <laughs> 
and she's wow. talking there when I'm born. And it, and then it, Dad sort of stopped and started it. And he must have they must have sent it back to England for them to listen, and it was sent back to Australia to keep. But that was an unmarked one. Wow! So I've, what a I've treasure! Been, that that's the biggest treasure. I can well, hear my mum talk. <laughs> we we are connected on in so many ways that I, I wouldn't yeah. have realised. We talked about your your son and the recording. When I started doing this podcast, I had a friend ask me to record a podcast with his father for his seventieth birthday, oh, and wow. I started doing probably did fifty or sixty or or more of these with with people that were trying to preserve their family history and some of those people yeah. had passed away and it illustrated to me, Karen, that everybody has a story. Like your yeah. mum and dad have come from the other side of the world. They would have known nothing about Australia and they've landed here. So we we have quite a few connection points. I, I want to speak <laughs> to you about you and, and your career but mm. I, I don't want to get to it straight away but sure. you, we, we mentioned you weren't well and, and I want people to understand before we get to it, the courage you're showing to come on and have a chat with me and the courage that you've showed to go back to work because, as I mentioned at the start, you were the voice of the summer and I could listen to you. I listened to your yes. recently interview, Oscar Piastri, about his Formula oh, One hopes. Yes. December, and after precious time this last month being able to come home to Melbourne, Oscar is heading back to the UK and it is a delight to be able to have a chat with him here on Grandstand. Oscar, thanks so much for your time and congratulations on your Sir Jack Brabham Award. What has this been like to win again? Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, yeah, a massive honour. And then you will move to a WNCL cricketer from, you know, the breakers versus whoever, and then you'll have yeah. a rugby union player on, and I'm always amazed at what you can do. But uh, encephalitis, which we'll speak about later on, hit yeah. you and hit you hard, and it's had an effect on your memory. So I understand that you're going out on a limb to have a chat with me, and some of your recall may not be what it was. Yeah, that's right. And, and thank you for that. And you've done such amazing work. It's just, it's lovely to to chat with you. So I was a little bit anxious inside because um, I've, I've got a few things written down <laughs> around me on the desk here, just in case, because there's a lot of stuff I just love to talk about, but it's still the best way I can describe it is up here, it's like there's a big door there and so many names and descriptive words are still stuck behind that door. That's the best way if you can visualise that. Yes. And so I just wish I could open that door, but somehow we can't find the keys and we don't have something that can really push it down. So I just have to work around that. And uh, so, yeah, so so hopefully I, I apologise if I just can't get the right name straight away when we're chatting today. Well, and I think we've established that there's no need to apologise okay. and uh, this is why I want people to understand that Karen is going out on a limb and when we originally organised to do this and you were very positive about doing it but you said you just needed some more time and time yeah. has passed now for your, for your body and your brain to slowly heal. So... Before I heard Karen Ty on the radio, she was a young girl at school. When you were at school, is is this what you wanted to do or did you want to be a vet or a, a scientist oh. or, or what did you want to do as a young well, lady? You've, you've, you've just put the tick straight away. I was going to be a vet. I yes. told you we're connected. See, <laughs> I didn't know that, obviously. You've got to be yeah. a vet. 
Yes, um, I, I, I've i always loved animals and I really thought that's what I was going to be. And it really wasn't until the end of year 10 into year 11 and I had the most wonderful chemistry teacher while she was good. Physics wasn't really my thing, but chemistry was the love of animals. And I really thought, I suppose James Herriot and all creatures great and small. <laughs> all I creatures loved great it. and small. <laughs> I love, oh my gosh. I like I, I, that. My brain will just jump back in time to that. And I always dreamt of having a horse, which I did get for myself once I started work full time, a Bam Bam. So I really thought that being a vet, and then it sort of just changed in year 11. And that's when sport came into my thinking and television and telling stories. And so that's kind of, it sort of veered there. There was nothing more to it than that. And so that's where I went for communications. Did you play sport as a youngster? Oh, look, this is, well, I've got to be totally truthful here. Yes, please do. I feel so, I feel so embarrassed. I'm so <laughs> glad that um, my son has inherited this from his father. <laughs> He's got great eye-hand coordination. I, my brother and sister, very good at eye-hand coordination. Me, zilch. <laughs> zilch. But I played netball. I really enjoyed netball. Um, and... That was pretty much it. I always had the dream about I'd love to go horse riding when I could. But in terms of like tennis or anything else, I just didn't have this good eye-hand coordination. <laughs> and I just wish, so wish, with all the lovely events I've covered over the years and to speak with expert commentators who would come in to chat with me and they were all so lovely. And whether it was golf or tennis in particular, I know that I could have just said they'd be happy to go and have a hitch, you know. But <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Anyway, I'm just honest about that. So to be able to interview others and to enjoy watching them is, is the big thing for me. Back to Karen in a sec. Next up on the Howie Games, ho, ho, ho. UFC a featherweight champion, if you don't mind, Mr. Alex Volkanovsky. Now, UFC is a very, very tough cape. You need a tough body, and before you even step into the octagon, you need a very, very tough mind. I sit there and I'm like, there's no way he's taking that belt away from my family. I've worked too hard. You know, my family sacrificed too much. My team sacrificed too much. We've all sacrificed too much for Led to let him take it away from me. He's no way he's worked harder than me. So I sit there and I, I'd say that. You know, like I remind myself why I'm in there, why I can't lose, why I need to stick to a game plan, why I can't be scared, why I can't be fearful, why I can't worry about all these things. That's Alexander the Great Volkanovsky next up on the show. Let's get back to Karen. So you, you went to university at Macquarie. Yeah. How did you end up? So quickly at the ABC, I was very fortunate to have an American broadcaster on this show as we're doing this very recently by the name of Jim Nance. And as you know, Karen, everybody's got a bizarre way into broadcasting. Jim literally bailed up a director on a golf course and got a job carrying the uh, commentators from the commentary box back to the, the compound on a golf cart. That's how he started. How did Karen tie start? Because when you come out of uni in, in the world of media and communications, it's a pretty competitive marketplace. Yeah, well, this may sound really strange, okay, <laughs> just thinking about it now. I finished at Macquarie Uni, um, mm. but I thought, oh, I just loved the storytelling in sport and I, you know, Channel 9 and Wide World of Sports and Sports, so I just loved that. 
And I thought, wow. So I thought, well, what will I do? So I thought, um, no pay TV back then, of course. So it was just your main television station. So I researched who was the head of sport at each of the stations. <laughs> so I got that. And at uni, I just got somebody to record a little piece to camera. So effectively, it's me saying, I'm not a star sports person, but I love sport. I love the stories of sport, blah, blah, blah. That went for about probably 40 seconds or so. That was on a VHS. I found out that <laughs> the head of sport, so I just wrote off to all of them and, and with the VHS in. There wasn't any job that I was applying for. And lo and behold, I have to say, everybody replied. And so Channel 9, in while I was still at school, I did a day's work experience, Wide World of Sports. Ken Sutcliffe, I went out with him um, oh. in a car to do, um, it was a rugby league story. And so, the, and I got a Wide World of Sports T-shirt. It was too small for me. But when I was at uni, I had the, I, I covered one of my clipboards in the Wide World of Sports. I don't have it anymore. I wish I still did. Oh, I just love that. And then um, Channel 10, um, gosh, I'm just thinking about Bruce McAvaney, that beautiful speech yes, that he gave. The, oh, what my a star. gosh. Oh. So I wondered how I'd feel tonight when I walked up here. I feel a lot of love, actually, and a lot of warmth, so thank you very much. I really do. Um, well, I tell you what, um, Channel 10, they got me to come in and um, I had a chat and I had no confidence. I'm so shy, okay? I wish I could be like you. I Just because they said, look, you know, we, that, congratulations on what you, what you sent in. We do have a position, but it's actually for somebody who's got more experience. You know, I could have jumped in and said, look, I'll do something for nothing or blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they were really lovely just to chat with me. And they said, would you like to come out for a golf? Like to come out? And, and Bruce was working on the golf that day. And so I went out in a Sydney golf course and I'm, I'm so nervous and shy. And you know what he did when he was off air? He said, hello, I'm Bruce. And he said, would you like to come into the media centre? I'll just show you how it all works. Uh, <laughs> I've never forgotten that. Just never, never forgotten. He didn't have to come and do anything with me. And just, so that was lovely. Um, So everybody had, um, um, and Channel 7 had contacted to say there wasn't anything but thank you. And I hadn't heard from the ABC for a while. It was about three or four weeks later. And then I got a contact and they said, sorry that it's been a bit of delay. Thank you for sending in. Would you be interested to come in? and have a chat. I said, oh, yes, please. So, <laughs> yes, um, yes, had, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so what I did had to do with the place that I was working part-time, I feel a bit ashamed to say, but I rang up sick and I caught the train. This is down at Gore Hill. Now, Gore Hill doesn't exist anymore for the ABC. So I went there and it must have been right in about, yeah, February. So all the cricket was on, which I loved the cricket. And I walked in, three bearded men, the head of sport and two executive producers. Hello. (laughs) And I'm so shy inside. I sat down and they just talked to me. Oh, that was interesting. What are you interested in? I said, I love cricket, blah, blah, blah. So we talked a lot about the cricket. Anyway, cut a very long story short, I got a phone call again after that saying, would you like to come in and like do, we'll do a few things just to see 
a bit more about you. And I went, okay. So you know what I did the night before? I sat down in front of the TV and I I could record on VHS one news bulletin. So that might have been Channel 9. I watched Channel 7 because they were on at the same time. I could watch ABC, say, live because it was 7 o'clock. What are they doing in sport? And I was quite nervous. Anyway, I, I went in there that, that next day. And um, they said, welcome. And now what we're going to do, we'll just bring you into our viewing room where we, we go out to shoot stories and we come and we log the stories and that. Just come and sit there. What we've just got, um, he said, we've just got um, a few stories that we ran in last night's news. It doesn't have the intro to them. It's just a story. We'd just like you to write maybe a little intro. Anyway, I can't tell you inside. I'm going, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know these stories back to front. I just... I just wrote a little intro so quickly, but there was one other story that wasn't from last night's news. I can't quite remember. I think it was something to do with sailing and that took me longer. I can't tell you how relieved. Phew, I've done this. And then they said, oh, why don't you come down to the studio and we'll just put this on what we call auto cue and you can... No, that was fine. Actually, right. just to sit there and read it was okay because I was so like, I've written something. So... So I did that and then that was it. They said, would you like a job? That was it. I, I never went for a job interview. Just, I just knocked on the door and I got, I got a job. So that, that's how it all started way so back before, then. B- before we get to the start of that job, there's, there's something you said that really interested me. Mm. Um, you said you're very shy and you yes. said, oh, oh, not like you. Um, mm. I, I, I am myself on television, I am myself on radio, but yep. Karen put put me in a social environment in a room with 30 people that I don't know and I find yes. it a very difficult situation. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. I do and I've had to work really hard to try and overcome that. My wife, like if I, if I try and take my wife everywhere because yep. she is so wonderful in that situation, yep. for someone that said she was, was really shy and quiet, how have you learned to deal and do your job when you're in these environments where you're hosting the the Winter Paralympics or you're interviewing yeah. such and such face to face in the early doors. How did you overcome that natural tendency to be quiet? Um, I've probably never totally overcome it. I I, th- I think the one thing, and that's when I sort of think way back when. Oh, Karen, I wish that I could have just. I've nothing against like I might have been like I think I was 21 or 20, 21 when I started. But I was probably, and especially when I lost mum so early, I was probably feeling like I'm an adult, but I'm more like a little girl inside and I just felt nervous. But I suppose as life has gone on, I'm like you, I love being part of a family. And that's what being just part with the TV crews, I just loved being around others and we worked as a family. And they, I just felt so comfortable. Mm. But I suppose sometimes I've just got to take some deep breaths and just I do get a bit nervous. But then once you're on and things are happening, it seems to to work okay. But I'm like you in terms, and I had been invited once to speak at some, I was helping out a friend, which was lovely. And I had turned up to this event, but I didn't know anybody. I'd got there early and people were not rude at all. They're just busy chatting with themselves. And the person who'd organised it, he was really busy going here and there. Oh, Karen, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And I just felt so nervous about, Mm. I just wish I knew somebody. And so you know what I did? I got my phone out and I just thought, I just pretended that somebody had called and I walked out (laughs) and you know who I called? I I called my dad. I said, Dad, could you just just chat with me just for a little while? (laughs) And then I walked back in and then other people had arrived that I knew 
Totally fine. Walked in and everything was fine. So I can completely identify. <laughs> if I can get up in front of 2,000 people and not have a change in my heart rate, but put me in that room for half an hour before with people yes. I don't know. That, well, that's it's interesting. Bit, that's I'm glad I'm not difficult. alone there because the last thing is I'm I'm not I'm not stuck up or anything like that. It's just that you know if you walk in and you just don't know anybody. Um, it's just that shyness inside. Yes. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yes, like no, that. you're far from the only one. So, what was the first job? What was your? It was Karen Ty. What news um, reporter? Um, what was it? It was a bit of everything with ABC TV back then. We covered quite a lot of stuff. Yes, and still did rugby league because I was in Sydney. So rugby league on a Saturday afternoon. And then we did little sports news in halftime of the rugby league. Mm. To rugby league now and Balmain's bad luck continued last night against South Sydney when beaten by a controversial late penalty. Souths won 24-22 thanks to a remarkable goal-kicking effort by Ian Crossan. So that's how it just all all started. I love the passion that you display <laughs> when you're talking about it. I, I want to speak with you eventually about the impact of females in sports broadcasting and um, sports commentary now, which has really taken sports broadcasting to a whole new level. In those early days at the ABC, you mentioned you went in and there were three blokes with beards applying, um, yes. looking to see whether you were going to get the job. <laughs> were you were you an well, abnormality is not the right word, but were there many females in the field of sport on air at that stage? Like compared to where we are now, how oh, was no. it then? No, no, no. I'm so proud. That's one thing that I'm not a commentator and I, I'm so, so proud of what just the last few years, what has evolved and, and your colleagues, Naisha Gua. Oh, crunch. The sound off the bat from Sugarman Gill. Wow. Kelly Underwood. Seconds ticking down. Can the cat snare it? Alison Mitchell. Mission accomplished. Australia make it 4-0 in an historic ashes test at Hobart. And they have demolished England within a session. But, no, back then it was very different. Debbie Spillane actually had worked in the ABC before me. She's a wonderful story. And, you know, very um, soon after I started work at the ABC, I was thinking meeting others like at a, a press conference or media conference for Sydney Hobart, which we covered a few times, and I met some other uh, female sports writers, journos there, and we sort of got to meet each other and, and catch up. And we thought, wouldn't it be nice just to get a group together so we thought about what about awesome Australian women in sports media and we laughed <laughs> and whatever. And then Macquarie Uni, the Macquarie Uni allowed me, I was able to organise like a day where we could use some rooms there. And we actually organised, there was a few of us and it was a day that I just really had a passion for any students coming through or at school. And it wasn't just about being on air. It might have been a camera operator or a floor manager or a producer or whatever, but you love sport, you're a woman, you want to work in the field. Mm. So just with all the abilities of social media now and what I see, you know, sitting here and listening to the radio and and watching on TV, I'm so, so proud and so happy. There's that just that lovely mix, um, which is great. And 
more steps forward and, you know, that makes my heart sing. And how do you feel, because it must happen when young girls come up to you or those that are now in the field, either young girls saying, I want to do what you do, or uh, the Kellys of the world that may have been inspired by you, how do you feel when they come up to you and say, you know what, Karen, I heard you on the radio and that lit a passion in me? Yeah, I, look, I, look, that's lovely. I think now as I'm older, there's what, what I don't feel embarrassed about at all. And, but, and having moved over to Perth, it's like 20 years ago now, um, so many of the voices, which I'm so proud of, are on the eastern side. Many have come from Perth. I know your colleagues, which is beautiful to see yeah. uh, what Kath they're Lockman. doing. Oh, absolutely. Kath a great Perth girl. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes my heart sing. Um, I just sort of say, look, just go for it. And in terms now, which is so important, isn't it? And there's nothing against men covering men's sport or men in commentary at all. It's just a mix, isn't it? Like of, of men and women, of... Uh, being able to see women play sport, the more that you can see women or hear them in commentary along with reporting and everything else, for the young ones coming through, they can see, like to see women playing sport on the television or hearing it on the radio, that just gives those growing up the chance to go, oh, I like that, or I could do that. Um, When there's not a lot of it there, it just takes a lot more. So that development, and especially I think over the last five years or so in particular, so much has happened. And so I just hope that this is just the normality, you know, which is, it's, it's such a big thing. That's a big thing for me. I think it is in our workplace. I can remember I used to sit next to Kelly Underwood in Channel 10 News and I remember yep. Dave Barham ringing her, our boss, and she got off the phone and said, oh, what's going on? She said, oh, Dave just asked me to call the footy for the first time she'd called it on Channel 10 and I, she said, what do you reckon? I was like, Kelly, you got to do it. Um, and, you know, she's launched an amazing oh, – I can sit in the back of the cricket box and just be soothed by the tones of Isha Gua, like yeah. just her voice and her knowledge and her delivery. I always sound – when I sit next to her in commentary, Karen, I think yeah. of myself sounding like some Aussie wild colonial boy <laughs> Bogan and then <laughs> she, she, voice, yeah. she, she, is, she is so, so wonderful. Early days – and I can remember watching this with mum and dad and it was something completely different, live and sweaty. And there was there was Denton and there, all these crazy characters and Elle McFeast and then they'd cross to the news and you were trying to be serious, Karen, from the newsroom and they wouldn't let you do that. And I think that's <laughs> where we first got a sight of who the real Karen Ty was. Thanks, Andrew. Good evening. Well, tonight in Rugby League, Canterbury Bankstown have kept their... Are you right, guys? Everybody, oi! Please, please! Look, I know you're trying to be authentic in recreating the Crusades, and this was the famous scene where the invading British hordes went in front of the auto queue, but <laughs> it's too much noise. We're trying to do the sports news, so out of the studio, please. We'll catch up with you later. Uh, thanks very much. Quickly now, come on. Chop, chop. I, I didn't mean that literally. Thanks, I'm sorry. But back to Lady Karen of the Link. <laughs> Thank you. As I was saying in the rugby league tonight, <laughs> Canterbury Bankstown have kept their semi-final chances. That was amazing. That was just being in um, the right place at the right time, I suppose, that I just got approached and they just said, oh, Andrew Denton, I mean, and Libby Gore, beautiful people. And Andrew's so, so talented with everything that he's done in life. 
and just got contacted. Look, we'd just like to have somebody that could just do sport update. I said, I'm not funny. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't want anybody who's funny. We just want somebody who could do like a, a sport update. Is that okay? I went, oh, okay. And this is on a Friday night. You know, a lot of what like you're doing on Fox at the moment, which is lovely, and having a live audience. And, yeah, we just want you to do, like, just a, a sport update, yeah. And then I got involved in doing some other things as well. But, gosh, it was fun. And it was just that energy, yes, of, of being on air live, a studio audience, having music there on the night as well and some fun interviews. And, yeah, that was a beautiful four years. I mean, gosh, that was a lifetime ago. But, and, you know, one of those songs that Andrew had written, As Long As We Beat New Zealand, <laughs> and it's just, it's always stuck with me so much. Everybody sung on that, except they wanted me involved. I, I wish I had a voice. That would be lovely. And so I sang the sort of the, the, uh, the chorus of it, as long as we beat New Zealand. But every Aussie knows the score. We all share that gut feeling as the metal count begins to mount. Let us beat New Zealand. It's just not fair, but I don't care. It's just not fair, but I don't care. As long as we beat, as long as we beat, as long as we beat New Zealand. That's the end of Karen Tai Part A. Plenty more in Part B. 